Three, two, one, go. Hey, it's Bibster and the Ginger Podcast. We are back after a pretty long break. It's been crazy busy around here. Um, not with racing, actually, with basketball stuff. We'll get that into that in a future season. But we are back into racing content because racing season is, even though it's still like 35,000 <laughs> degrees below zero around here, racing season is coming up. So really excited. We have the IMCA late model uh, director, I think is the, is the actual term, Joe Hayes, um, on the phone today coming and joining us. So, Joe, want to introduce yourself and kind of uh, give a little history of how you got into racing? Yeah, well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. That kind of stuff, and you're right, it is about 32 below around <laughs> Iowa, but we will be racing hopefully in the beginning of April. You know, when I have my, my history with racing has been when I was a kid, my dad, you know, took me to Tuna Speedway up there in, in Waterloo, and I got to, I behaved all week, I got to go to the racetrack on Sunday night, and <laughs> met my local heroes, Bob Hilmer and Bill Swan there, and uh, Ed Sanger, and, and those types of guys, and, you know, once once you get involved in the sports, you're in it, and, um, uh, always was a fan of it, had an opportunity to go to work for IMCA back in 1994 and actually spend a little time with those guys when the IMCA spec motor was actually introduced and and uh, spent a little time with those guys and then met uh, a gentleman by the name of Al Frieden. And um, Al offered me a job, basically. He said, why don't you come up and we'll find something for you to do? Well, 10 years later, you know, uh, that's kind of the story with that. But had a real, you know, opportunity to, to work with them. A legend in the promotion business, Al Frieden, and a man that was well respected, and and he showed me the ropes on not only you know the the sport of automobile racing and promoting of it, but just kind of overall business and ethics and that type of thing too. So he was a, a big mentor of mine, and and had the opportunity to to do that. And then when he passed away, unfortunately, you know Keith Simmons, he came along, and Keith had a lot of good ideas and was committed to it. But I kind of got to a point where. You know, my boys were getting to the age they wanted to play baseball and hockey, and, and I was gone all the time, and, and I recommitted myself to being a husband and a, and a father, and uh, mm-hmm. kind of got away from it, and then one had the opportunity to kind of come back into it in 2017 with FSP and promote the 2017 the Yankee Dirt Track Classic, and of course, you know, once you step back into that realm back into it full time it yeah. seemed like, and yeah. you know, we had tried to do some things with those guys last year that, but you know, they had kind of different different opinions of what was happening and everything else. Mm-hmm. In the entire time, I, I was able to maintain a, a good relationship. And I've always had a good relationship with Brett Rudd from IMCA and gave us some opportunity to, to talk about it and, and get some ideas on what his philosophy was for late models and where he wanted to see things go. And mm-hmm. In several of these conversations, I did find that, you know, that Brett was committed to late models. He wanted to see the division grow and he wanted to figure out a way how him and I could work together to to make that happen and over mm-hmm. several you know conversations and meetings we kind of came to agreement and once i realized that he was really really committed to it and i said let's make this thing happen good cool cool so you are so you this is like this is i mean obviously this is your first season but you know you've been kind of at the job now for a couple months um what's that look like so as as, as someone that's a fan of dirt racing and kind of mm-hmm. you know kind of understands the imca but how does that work is it like a an office job or you like you know like there's a there's like a hub or is it like something you're kind of more working from home well, how does that how does that look you know it's basically i've got a uh my my normal 50 hour a week job is this bearing service incorporated still and so that's what i do you know for a living but then you know throughout the day and throughout the evenings and the mm-hmm. mornings and and everything else, I get the opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to use two cell phones and, <laughs> and work on the racing type of thing. So, you know, the racing, once it's, you know, you're, you're really, 
you're in it all the time. There's mm-hmm. always something that's crossed your mind, or there's you know good people that are calling you, so types of things. So you just kind of manage it all, you kind okay. of put it all together, and, and it's you know it's we'll sleep when we're dead. We always like to say in the racing <laughs> business, so we'll get to that sometime. But you know it's 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 you manage you know you just manage your time, mm-hmm. and uh, Brett's really good about you know a lot of things but we'll have meetings in the middle of the day and it's not where i have to go to an office but you know in today's technology just like you and i are doing we couldn't mm-hmm. do this 10 years ago we no. could be together talking in the same microphone yeah today we're covering this 85 miles away from one another mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and off we go so you can be in so many locations and so many times anymore you don't necessarily have to be there so you know with emails and technology and social media and everything else we're <laughs> the world's gotten a lot smaller yeah it definitely is and i think uh the racing world and racetracks have we've a lot of our past conversations have been about how do we get racetracks kind of because some racetracks are about we say about 10 years in the past on dealing with like social media and dealing with you know kind of how to bring what they do to people's pockets because we always say you know the problem you're competing live any kind of live events nowadays are competing with the fact that people have basically all the entertainment they need in their pocket Right. And so how do right. you, you know, and so racetracks are changing. You're seeing um, the advent, like with IMCA TV, where they're bringing racing everywhere. You know, you're seeing other tracks doing some uh, live streaming things. You're seeing, you know, yep. kind of just promoting it that way. Is that a yep. big thing that IMCA is looking at now with kind of helping tracks kind of make that jump up into, you know, into 2019? It's exactly that. One of the best educations I got last year was I shot a little live video um, about an upcoming race that we had coming in Dubuque. Mm-hmm. And um, before I knew it, within two and a half hours or so, we had like 17,000 views of this stupid thing. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe the magnitude, the power that that thing actually had. Yeah. And that's one thing that we're working with tracks on right now is working with, give them the social media ads and that type of thing mm-hmm. they can put out on whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever, where people can actually put it in their calendar and it reminds them that, hey, there's an event coming at, mm-hmm. in Maquoketa on, on, you know, August whatever, and I want to make sure that I don't forget that I'm going to go to this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like you say, it's all in your pocket. You know, the youth of America, they don't even own TVs anymore. They no. don't have TVs, but yet they know the scores of all the hockey games and mm-hmm. the scores of baseball games and all everything. Yep. And so that's, that's an avenue that I want to start to branch out a little bit more um at imca they're doing a lot of different things for the modifieds and that but we're putting the main focus back on the on the late models and getting this information out to people and saying hey we are running a a dear brother summer series special you know in burlington on this particular date and we'd like to have you all come out and see it and you know sometimes as as being on so many different sides of this fence and the promoting side of it that you get so focused on your grader broke down, your water truck's broke, and you, you're trying to get enough people to work for you and all this stuff, you kind of forget to invite your customers. Yeah. And that may sound stupid, but you and ultimately you forget. You get so busy, you forget to invite your customers, and you look up the stands and think, well, Christ, this isn't going to be very good tonight. Mm-hmm. Well, what did I What did I not do? Mm-hmm. That's a you really know? good point. Yeah. That's, you know, because a lot of times, and it's it's hard to convey this a lot, to, you know, between especially the racers, because... It's hard to like explain to them like this is a show for people. You know, like yes, you guys are racing there, but it also is entertainment. So like exactly. some of it is a show and that's why like when tracks are doing, you know, kind of these extra goofy things sometimes that some people, some older fans might look at and go, "Well, this is dumb, you know, I want to see racing." The, the 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 fact of the matter is you're it's 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 entertainment and a show and you have to be able to kind of provide that because again, we're competing with you have to compete with everything nowadays and once you get 
you know, I think your biggest competition is getting someone to attract the first time. I, I was telling, I think I was talking with Nick the one time we said, I'm like, once people come to a racetrack, like if they have a heartbeat, it's they're they're having a good time. You know, you can't not watch dirt track exactly. racing and be like, well, this is kind of boring. Like I'm going to take a little, I'm going to take a quick snooze here, um, just because of everything that's going on on the track. And so I think. You know, using social media and trying to make sure you're inviting your customers and putting people in charge of that, which is going to sound weird, like as a promoter to go, okay, so I got my guy, you know, I got my I got my people that work in the that work in the, like the, in the pit shack to make sure registration's going smooth. I got my I got my my track crew going. I got my officials. Oh, I need to make sure I have somebody that's like going around shooting little videos and you know basically exactly. putting stuff out there because what um a lot of people and it's it's kind of hard to realize that. A lot of that stuff, it doesn't monetary isn't necessarily there. It's just time. Like the commitment is your is time to put into it. Right. Because if right. you if you you know play your cards right, you don't always have to throw a bunch of money at it. If you play your cards right, right and get your fans and get your um your racers all on the same page, which that can come down to convincing your racers like, hey, if you see something that we put up, share it. You know, little stuff like that. Right. But I right. think that's great that IMC is being able to partner with that and kind of helping tracks that might need that kind of bump in technology to understand what you know what it's going to take in 2019 to get a big show going on right it's all out there because you I mean right now they're getting bombarded tracks getting bombarded with the radio people the newspaper people and, and and everybody else to say hey put all your advertising right in here where ultimately not a lot of people are getting all that mm-hmm. information through those sources anymore so yeah you really got to be, be picky and choosy and and utilize and know how to utilize a lot of this stuff and and like I say, once you start getting followers on it, it's just amazing the amount of people that'll, mm-hmm. that'll follow it. So we're going to help the tracks the best we can with, with that and then give them the tools that they need to do it. And like I say, these guys are understanding it. I think one of the biggest things are, you know, back in the day, we had the Gary Webbs of the world, the Steve Bowies of the world, the Ray Gus Juniors and Denny Eckridge's that knew how to go out and, and they knew that they needed butts on boards to race for that bigger money. Mm-hmm. So they were also, you know, advocates of the sport and they were promoters of the sport. So they would say the right things. They would do the interviews that you needed them to do and this type of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where some guys kind of gotten away from this a little bit. And they like to jump on social media and complain about this or that. And they don't understand the negativity that goes along with oh, that. Yeah. Does not want, it doesn't no. a guy to want to go out and buy an $18 ticket to watch you compete. What yeah. are you going to do to help yourself get mm-hmm. somebody in the stands? And we've got some, some guys are looking at this thing a little bit differently too. And sometimes, you know, it's like all of us, we just kind of need to look in the mirror sometimes and reevaluate what we're thinking. That's that's a really good point on the being negative because as a track, and I've seen some tracks that have like kind of not necessarily gone negative, but just left the door open for everyone else to. And I look at right. it and I'm like, that is not going to help. Like you are, you're gonna. You're causing an issue. Like there are times right. that you just have to let, like, okay, that's negative, that's bad. We'll, we're not going to talk about that. Like, let it be the elephant in the room for a while; it'll go away. Um, but yeah, I think that's really important because the side that you show, the side that you show, especially on social media, as a track promoter and as you know, even a racer, that's what people are going to see. And people don't always remember. Right. Like that's what they think you. Of. They're not going to remember you as, oh, that was a really great weekend we had. You know, everything was great. It was, oh, they talked about this, and now Monday, all the keyboard warriors are fighting over it. Right, right. So, um, a little and, bit into late model here. Um, yeah. As we get into that, so you were you, you brought up a really good point where you're talking about IMC has been focusing a lot on modifieds, and I have a deep heart with the modified because one of my the guy that I usually pit with when I get to go racing is a modified driver. Yeah. Um, what you know, like, and you were saying, like, they're trying to fo- bring the focus a little bit more back to late model. Has that been? I mean, it seems like the last few years, modifieds have kind of become like the like the niche, like it's the the big thing. What is IMCA looking at this year to do? 
to bring late models kind of back on the spotlight? Well, I think some of the and, and I'm not don't don't take this you know, this is not being being kind of a arrogant or anything, no. but what one of the commitments was the fact that then like Brett has said in several press releases, to bring me back in the fold. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not not the answer to all the questions by any means, but I I've shown over the years that that, that you know I have a passion for late models and I have the ability to kind of get some people together to kind of go in the right direction on this mm-hmm. thing and. And I think that was our commitment to say, hey, we're putting a guy in charge of this. We're going to be, you know, driving this thing that's going to help it. It's not going to be a fix in one year. It's going to take a long term, but we're all committed to it. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's a big part of it. You know, looking at the rules and really looking at it and saying, okay, you know, we, we the spec motor has been a good piece of equipment for a lot of years. But there's not a ton of guys walking in the door saying, hey, build me a $22,000 motor. You know, and so it kind of ran its course. Now, there's still plenty of them out there in that. So, you know, we needed to really step out on the ledge and say, okay, guys, we understand it. It's going to have to be a 604 crate because there's not a ton of guys out there that can go and afford to build a $45,000, motor and go running all over the country, mm-hmm. you know, with that type of thing. So we want to be able to bring something back that, that a guy can compete with on a weekly level, but yet then he gets that opportunity like years ago to run for some extra money, and you don't have to travel six and a half, seven hours away just to go do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then everybody, basically, my goal is to make sure that all these tracks, you know, we're going to have a, a, a tech seminar with all the IMC sanctioned tracks and here and the tech officials so that everybody's interpreting the rules the same way. They understand them. We're all looking at them the same way. We're going to get that line of communication open. So if a guy, you know, wants to go run one of Nick's tracks in Makoka one mm-hmm. night and says, hey, I'm going to go and run the Duke on Sunday night or I'm going to go down to West Burlington or Donaldson or something. He knows that he's pulling in the gate. He knows that what he's got is legitimate. Mm-hmm. And and he knows that he's going to be, you know, tech. He might be tech to look at different things, but it's going to all be interpreted the same. You pull into a Deary Brothers race this year, you will go through a pre-tech line. They haven't done that for years. We're going to have that thing done again, too, where we're looking at cars ahead of the show and making corrections at that time rather than, you know, keep yourself in a pickle or not doing anything about it at all mm-hmm. and just letting it go kind of willy-nilly. Guys, late models all want to be tech. They want tech. They want to know if they're competing on on, a, on, a, on the same level. When you do tech them, though, then they turn around and get mad if they get disqualified. Well, yeah. you know, you can't have the best of both worlds, but <laughs> we are going to start to lay that law down a lot better. So I think consistency with it, you know, looking and reviewing some of the stuff a little bit more and then really looking at where is our largest spends, you know, on, on engines, on shocks and some things and address those things as we go because, there's so many guys that, like you said, are, are in the modifieds or in the sport mods, and they're staying there. They have a desire to be in the late models or compete in the late model, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's pretty much most of and most tracks are still, it's kind of the premier class. And yep. We have a huge fan base that wants to watch those types of cars, those full-body cars compete. Mm-hmm. But yet it has to be something where it's not, you know, a $100,000 difference just to get into that thing. Oh, yeah. And if we were to leave it go and not address a lot of these things, you know, that we addressed this year and that we will address in the next years to come, then you wouldn't even have that division. So Yeah, I think that is, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, the last couple of years, and really last year is like when I kind of dive right back into dirt track and spent a lot more time at tracks, it was you know, late model being the premier class used to used to be the biggest class, and you had seen it kind of depending on the track. You know, I was fortunate, like working with um, with Trackside, they had a really they had, like Makoka always had a pretty good turnout for late models, yep. but still, it was never. Usually, there was still more modifieds. I mean, obviously, there's gonna be more four cylinders because that's the easiest class to get into, and 
I'm an advocate of like if they're racing, it's racing. Like every, you know, if more people can race, and if it's a class that might be sure. slower, look different, it's fine. I mean, I think that's it's 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 the door in. I know you know there are a lot of racers that they started in that class, but it's still like you know you kind of want your premier class to be the biggest class at the end of the night versus like, and so I think with going to the crate motor, it's going to allow you know because I know last year there was talk of it where there's late models sitting in garages that haven't raced for a few years because of that fact of. You know, you got a thirty or forty thousand dollar engine that let's say you blew your engine up at the end of the one season, you know, you're not gonna immediately go, Oh, hey, let me just write that check quick, you know. Right. It's gonna put them out. Well, they sit on it for a couple of years. Now they're thinking, well, now you know, now it's out. Like I can hardly probably even sell it because, you know, it's you know, it's it's a few years behind in all the technology because you know, every year it gets more and more. But kind of scaling some of those things back, I think, is gonna bring some of those cars out of the garages and back to the racetracks, which I think is great. Well, that's the hope, anyway, and that's uh, what we've seen already. And there's a division of cars, you know, that I, I competed in, I competed for us last year up in the Buca, the nine to ones that mm-hmm. are late models. I mean, they're late model cars, and they were they were struggling with. I mean, they had a good thing going, but then they had no sanctioning body behind them. So it was a group of people that, you know, um, it, it, like I said, they had good ideas. They just couldn't put it all together. Mm-hmm. And, and, but there was, there's 20 some of them up there. Now these guys are looking at it saying, Hey, I can run you know, my IMC late model. I can put a crate motor in it. I can go run Deary Brothers series. I can run mm-hmm. Duke. I can go down to Nicole and I can go to independence on a Saturday night. I can do a lot of different things, you know, with the same car where I was kind of, pigeonholed there prior yeah i could only go to the one track basically right you know because there's these uh deering shows which i got the opportunity last year um the other half of the podcast he's not um he's not with us today ginger we had we had we had we had had met nick basically by meeting nick i facebook messaged him as you now have seen how that works with me um i facebook messaged him said hey it was at a racetrack i was at a race night and they actually messaged me back like we're in the middle of a race i'm like yeah i'm i'm here but i'm like let's just talk sometime and they i talked to nick and that week he's like we'll come down to the pits well, we expected just to get pit passes. No, he let us out on the infield. So we're first race that we're at, like that we're knowing people. We're sitting on the infield for the Deering show, like with our mouths on the ground the whole time. Like, oh my gosh, because I've told people, like, it's hard to get into the infield. But if you ever get a chance, like if anyone ever says, hey, you want to watch from the infield? Never say no to that because it's crazy. But um, that was, I mean, it was awesome to see that many late models. And, you know, just like this whole big show that they put on. Now there's... Um, I mean, there's obviously a bunch of Deering series. Is that kind of the focus this year? I mean, I know there's a there's still like a points race with IMCA, but is the kind of like is it points and then Deering is kind of the big focus for IMCA this summer? Well, if you look at it here, what we're doing here this year, we revamped this year a little bit more. Is you know, you always start at the beginning of the year out with a lot of Deering series races. So mm-hmm. the month of April, we run like five events. You know, we got a bunch of them there. So mm-hmm. then we've adjusted and we've said, you know, the points are going to be kind of more on a limited basis. The points for the national championship and so on and so forth will be contended in the month of May, June, and July. Okay. So basically, you know, in May, we have one Deary Brothers show. In June, we have one Deary Brothers show. In July, I think we have two at best. And they're middle-of-the-week shows. Mm-hmm. The rest of them are just basically, this gives an, a, a guy an opportunity to run for some more money in April. Uh-huh. And then commit to as a weekly track because we're not trying to eliminate weekly tracks. We could go and say, "Hey, we're going to run thirty Deer Brother shows all over the state," mm-hmm. but that's really not what we want. We yeah. want like sixteen to eighteen shows, mm-hmm. and then we want to give these guys an opportunity to compete and support their weekly programs because mm-hmm. I want weekly racing to be profitable for the promoters. I want to be entertaining for the fans and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Once we get over that July, you hit that August time frame. August is a weird month in racing anymore, as you well know, based on the fact that. Every 
but he's going back to school. He just came off all the fairs. People spent a lot of money. They're taking their vacations and so on and so forth. So you need to kind of get back on the Friday, Saturday type, you know, events for mm-hmm. the month of August to run Deary Brothers again. The mm-hmm. national points are done. Then you hit the month of September, and we all know what that's like. You know, yeah. that's when the Yankees to run and, and, and the bigger events and that. That's when we'll run another, you know, four or five nights that, um, you know, in the month of September. So mm-hmm. it kind of breaks into two different segments. It, it, it starts the year off with a bunch of dairies. We kind of take a break, but yet you hit one every once in a while once a month and then when the points are done we jump back into it run you know consistently you know hardy and not every single week but you know enough to be enough to be you know out there and, and relevant and so on and so forth so and i know from looking at the schedule for during this year mm-hmm. it looks like they've you guys have kind of mapped it out where it's going to allow you know racetracks that are somewhat similar like there's a there's a weekend where it's like makokata what is it? I think I forgot where you guys are at Friday night, but basically it goes Makokota to East Moline and Makokota. I mean, it's like they're they're close right. enough where some of these guys that are coming from the other side of the state, it's not like right. oh I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for a Saturday race and then I have to drive all the way back. It's like oh I can go for Friday night race here, you know, go up to the Saturday night race, go back, you know. So it allows it's kind of allows there to kind of make weekends out of it and allows more of the late models to hit all the shows. Versus, you well, know. that's what we're hoping for, and you know, we've signed on. I think three or four tracks from Nebraska alone this year. Oh, nice! You know, and, and so there's there's several cars that are out there. And when you kind of think about the old days when we used to get Joe Kaziski and Steve and Ed to come over and and and, and those guys to compete in the Bush All Star Series, we wanted to put. I mean, we used to do it Friday night in Farley, Saturday night was Liberty, Sunday night in Dubuque, and Monday night in Davenport. We put four shows on back to back to back, and mm-hmm. those guys would come over and compete. And that's a little bit of what we want to try to do here, too. We want to make it, you know, where if they did make the trip, I know that uh, Andrew, Joe's brought his son, Andrew Kosinski, has made the comment that he'd like to compete in some Deary Brothers races, and we'd like to see him come over, and the fans would like to see him come over and compete, mm-hmm. too, and, and, and be part of the deal. But it's got to be advantageous to do it. It's tough to pull over here for one night and turn around and go back home. Oh, yeah. You know, and us the same way. So, you know, we got to be real cautious about how we schedule these things, where we schedule them um you know my goal here of course this year is i want these to become profitable i don't want them just to be an event that a track runs off and and done it's got to be profitable it's got to be entertaining for the fans Mm -hmm. it's got to be decent and and well run for the competitors so that they want to be a participant in it and all the stars have to line up now we're going to get that every single night no we're we're smarter people than that Mm -hmm. but if we put the tools in the right place and we put the people in the right places and give them the, the, the things that they need, we can make this happen. And that's that's what I want to start to build in this thing. And then if it is profitable, then you're going to have want have more tracks that are going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to go out there and see that we try to run 30 or 40 nights. You know, it's just not realistic. Yeah. I like to keep these what they are, you know, 18 nights. But yet when we come into town, whether it's we come into town one time or we come into town twice, I want that to be the biggest thing that's happening that night, you mm-hmm. know, and we have to promote it to that. Yep. So yeah, that's 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 half the battle is promoting it and right. getting people to come onto the tracks. We we talked about before with having to compete against all the other things, and so is um, yep. you know, and that's part of what you see the local track, and that's the promoters, you know, dealing with you know doing special stuff like you know get, can, talking somebody some of your local late model guys and being like, hey, can you park your car to sponsor for the morning? Yep. So they get the big, you know, I've seen tracks that have done that. And it's like, that's a big deal because a lot of fans don't get up and close to the race cars because, no. you know, you're at, you, you don't think about like, oh, if I, I don't want to get a pit pass. And I've, I've, again, 
listeners will know I harp on like getting a pit pass one time. You know, you don't need to do it every week because that would get expensive. But try it once and just get in around the cars, or make sure when the race is over, get in the pits quick because most tracks the pits are open after the race is over. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like, because you, I'm like. These racers, they love talking about their cars. You know, like a lot of times like when I first show, was showing up on racetracks, I wasn't always, a, like, you know, I was like, I don't want to approach racers. You know, I know they're, I mean, especially if they actually look like they're working on something, but, you know, you don't understand it. But this is their passion. They love to talk about it. So, right. you know, most of them, they're not going to tell you the secrets. I've always told racers, like, don't, I won't say nothing if you show me things. But, <laughs> and there's been a few that I've had to be like, I, I didn't see what you just showed me. Um, but, but, you know, I think that's important to get up and close. And I think as promoters, and as racetrack owners, giving opportunities for your racers to get up and close with the fans is a yeah. huge milestone to make because, you know, there's just that connection there. Like, especially, um, especially with, like, kids. Like, if you get kids up and close to them, like, they're going to want to go to the racetracks. If the kids want to go to the racetracks, the parents are going to, you know, they're going to come. It basically makes it from just, you know, you, you went from having, like, one or two tickets to, like, three or four or five, depending on the size of the family. And so right. it gets more, it gets more people at the track and it gets more, you know, gets them excited and becomes fans for life. Cause like you said, you know, you were going as you went, you went to a track as a kid. I went to a track as a kid, you know, and it obviously didn't go away. No, it, it's there. You know, yeah. it's, it's always there. When I was like, see, when I was young, Bill Swanziger would pick me up and, and set me up on the trailer as he stood in his all white racing uniform, his hair combed immaculately. He was always shamed. He'd stand there and talk to people, and I'd get to stand next to them. You know? Yeah, that's cool. And 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 that you just you just never forget those days. And when you have that opportunity, when that racer does that thing for that kid or that whatever, I've watched like Nick Marloff give a trophy away to a kid, sign it, give it to him. Gary mm-hmm. Webb, literally, we turned the lights off on Gary Webb. I don't know how many nights when he was still signing autographs down <laughs> there because everybody got one. Yeah, and he, you could read it, and it was you know, and it, that's the type of things that get him to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the big, that big connection, I think, and racetracks kind of taking notice of that and being able to provide those opportunities, because, I mean, a lot of racers, they don't know, you know, it's not like, they don't know, like, oh, this is an opportunity you can make, and as a race, as the promoter to kind of open that door and, you know, allow that to happen is is a big thing for your fans and for your racers. Um, Now, we were talking, we talked a little bit beforehand about this, we've been using the term late model a lot, now, some listeners might go understand, what is... What does late model mean? I remember as a kid always hearing the term and being like, okay, I know what the cars look like. They're the big, you know, as a kid, I was like, they're the big wedge cars because they got this big front end. Give us a little, you know, kind of a like quick history of what a late model car is versus, you know, you know, your open wheel and other, other classes well, that we talk about. Well, back in the day, like you say, well, late model was a late model version vehicle, you know, when they ran Camaros back there in the mm-hmm. 70s and that kind of stuff. So the late model term has already been with it. You know, today's world, it's a full body, full fendered car. But when you look at the underneath side of it, it's all tubular frames. Mm-hmm. It's all bolt-on equipment. It's 500 horsepower. It's, you know, it's a small cockpit, uh, you know, and a guy can some of these bigger guys can barely get into, but it's mm-hmm. it's a full bodied, you know, late model vehicle is what it is. And and you know, when the guys say modified or sport mods, I mean it took me a year to figure out the difference between the two until I started looking at the spoilers. You know? mm-hmm. So you know, but still it's that it's that late model, it's that full body, full fender, full contact, wide open car. You know, the the the, the the thing I don't like about the cars in today's world, the way these guys have worked, and they've kind of given credit to the engineers that worked really, really hard to get these cars to use the air to get around the racetrack. And, and we get the left rear completely near and the right front buried on the ground and, mm-hmm. and things like that. There's some small little tweaks that we can start to make where we put some more of this 
into the driver's hands. And I think we need to get to that too. in this, what we call this late model division, mm-hmm. you're seeing modified the ones with the fenders open in the front. You can literally see their motors and that type mm-hmm. of thing. They're starting to get that same type of engineering and you oh, know, yeah. in it. And it, it's kind of taken some of the drive and some of the allure away, but mm-hmm. we get these late models back planted on the ground and, and put the, put the, Gibson's back in the driver's hands to really use his head and his right foot. Um, you know, you can see it, but it's a that's a hundred and three inch. You know, they're fourteen inch wide wheels and, mm-hmm. and big tires and everything else. And like I say, a lot of horsepower and you know, manual <laughs> transmissions, and they stand on the gas and go like a son of a gun is what they do. But, yeah. You know, ultimately, no matter what it is, it's 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 full body cars mm-hmm. to compete side by side and run. You know, two, three wide and allow these racetracks and put on an entertaining show. It's nuts. If you see, like, anytime, like, when, when late models get going three wide in a corner, you're basically, like, quenching. Like, if it's a wall track, you're like, oh, no. If it's if it's a berm track, you're like, well, someone might be taking air here because, but, you know, yeah, it's those full wide cars. And you were talking about, the like, the technology that comes. I remember being a kid. And it was when I was a kid, the late like the craze was always three wheeling. You know, like your modifieds, you'd always kick that like that left front up the whole straight and go. So when I got it, started getting back into it, I was like, huh, everyone's all planted now. And then you'd watch like the one car that that would that would be out there three wheeling. You're like, well, he's in the back of the pack now. <laughs> and it's just the right. technology. And you're even seeing the sport mods where they're even starting to plant more versus you know getting right. the twist, which is all like you said, it's all this science of like, oh, we put a certain shock up here and we put a different shock back here and we, you know, do this and that, which is crazy. But I think like you were saying, putting it back in the driver's hands and part of going to the crate motor, I think, you know, like there's two sides of it. And, you know, like the one point on crate motors is, well, they're all going to be the same speed. So it's going to be like watching restrictor plate racing. There's kind of a point to that, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, majority of tracks, especially in late model where they have the 14 inch wide tires so they can hook up and rock and roll. Like when most open motors, they weren't able just to stand on it and let it go. They were having to feather it. So now you're going right. to see them where they're going to, you know, be, be full, like, you know, right foot all the way down, you know, hammer down going. And I think you're going to see more of the drivers having to work at it. Like you were talking about taking some of the science, some of the science out of it and allowing the drivers to have to be really good wheelmen again. Because, you know, when it's, if they all were specced and they all were exactly the same, there would, it would be more like that where it was kind of like, okay, now we're just watching, you know, as, as like the joke or along the racing scene is it's, they call it truck racing because it's all the same, you know, right. but I think it's going to allow the drivers to have to wheel it more. When you see some of these daring shows, what I think is going to be really cool to see is you're going to have when these guys come to a different track and let's say you have your local racers because of the different rules and kind of putting everyone closer on the same level. The local racers aren't going to be out. Not a, they're not going to be as outmatched as they were in the years past where it's like, Oh, it's a, it's a daring show. Like, we have all of our local late model guys, and here comes all these, like, you know, the guys that travel with their right. high-end, mo- you know, so it's like, it kind of puts a playing field where now the local guy can go be a hero and win the Deering show, you know, and before in years past, he was hoping to try and make it into the mains. So I think exactly. that's something that's going to be kind of cool to see this summer and maybe see some of these upsets where some of your big-name late model guys in years past that have been able to dominate are going to have to really fight for it because, again, you know, we're kind of taking, you know, you're taking some of that science out of it. You're going to have to make them even wheelman. Some of them are just really good at driving. Like, there are certain drivers out there that I've watched, and I'm just like, I don't know how they do that. Like, they got a hand out the window. Like, I think they're waving at people. They're going around the track. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but yeah, I think that'll be, that'll be really exciting. 
Well, that's what we need to put back. You know, we need to sometimes, and even even NASCAR at a point, they're taking horsepower away from these guys because mm-hmm. it's just got to be too much of that. And I think that's where you see, if you go to a, a Lucas Oil, even like watching the World of Outlaws shows that we put on last year, it was it, it just was such a hammer down type thing that mm-hmm. it just, you know, it's just a momentum hammer down thing, and then the recent element of it just kind of left a little bit. Mm-hmm. Slow them, take a little bit away from them, and make them race this thing again. It's still going to be because track changes. It's not an asphalt track. It's going to change throughout the night. Mm-hmm. You know, you still have to stay up on that. You have to make sure that you get your right, you know, suspension set up and and your setup is correct, and you could dial yourself in or out in a heartbeat anymore with these cars. And so when you drop the flag, you know what you're racing on on lap one probably ain't the same track you're racing on lap 40 Mm-mm. and it's going to be the guy that can read that it's going to be the guy that can maneuver traffic it's going to be the guy that can conserve his equipment mm-hmm. and then it's going to be fun to see who can who can actually do this and, yeah and now you know if that if it's still the cream is going to rise at the top and mm-hmm. it going to be a money thing it's going to be more of a, a talent thing. Yep. And that's what I want to get back to. The yeah. days of when Brian Burkhoff was starting running all the time towards Brian's car wasn't rolled over. And Brian was going by people left and right. And he was a talented, smooth guy. But he learned that talent on West Liberty, which was like driving 100 mile an hour on black ice. You can do that. You can go a lot of places and meet <laughs> a lot of people. Yeah. Because you're talented, mm-hmm. you know, with your right foot. A lot of these guys that learn that, you know, are, it's going to give that opportunity for that kind of guy to come back again and be competitive versus this, I can put my foot to the throat floor and I can hold it there and mm-hmm. I just guide the thing around. It still takes talent to do that, but it takes more talent to drive these things you know, when they're trying to break loose all the time. Oh, yeah, and I think from talking with um, the guy that I raised modified, Derek Wilson, he was running, he just, he's going to a crate motor actually this year because he, he was an open motor lover, everything was open motor, but the problem with open motor is we had like, three tracks last year that were open motor tracks by feature time. So, right. you know, and it was constantly, he was having to fight that and then drive the car hard. So this year he's looking at, you know, I think today, actually, like right now, because I was supposed to go with, I was, he was, he was trying to get me to go with him. I said, I got, I couldn't, but I think he's picking up his crate and he's like, yeah, we're going to go crate. Like, we're going to see what we can do. Yep. And um, I think it's just, you know, there's, it's, there's a lot of things behind kind of everyone switching to crate like you know there's pros and cons and there's always going to be pros and cons but i think in the end if 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 the pro is more race more racers showing up on a uh, on a weekend or race that's going to outweigh a lot of the cons like if if the if the we all want to see this thing continue to grow Mm -hmm. we're going to have to have something so we're going to have to bite the bullet it's not always the most popular decision but it's for the best decision that's made for the long term. And that's all IMC's decisions generally are. Mm-hmm. It's not for what's better today or tomorrow. It's for every time that Brett and I have a conversation, he asks me, okay, Joe, it's fine. Where is it going to put us in a year, in three mm-hmm. years, and five years? Yep. And that's the decision you have to make. That's, yeah. that's, the, that's the way we went about this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was, you know, like I said, it was, you know, there was always people on both sides. And I get right. that. And I understand that. But at the, at the end of the day, Everyone, you know, racing is not a competition between track promoters, IMCA, and racers. Like, the three need to be on the same table and be able to kind of talk and go, okay, this is what we need, this is what we want. You know, like, you know, racers are going, this is what we'd like to do. IMCA is looking like, okay, now, like, you know, this is what we can, A, safely do, B, do for the better of the sport, you know, and C, make sure it's an entertaining thing because – you know, you guys could be like, "Oh, we're going to try this," but it makes the race. If it makes the racing less entertaining, then you know you can't have that. And promoters have to look at like, we want to make sure we have people coming to the track, a fans coming and racers coming, 
And so, yeah, there's a lot to dance. You know, there's, 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 that's a big dance you have to do. And I completely am glad I'm not having to do any decisions like that because, again, you guys have to be the face of it, too. You know, like, mm-hmm. when, like when you go to tracks this summer, people are going to be like, oh, hey, that's the guy that, that, that changed that. You know, like to them, right. anything that IMCA does is going to be in your plate. And so, you know, you have, you can't, you don't exactly get to go to tracks and be like, well, this is going to be, you know, depending on what is going on, you're like, well, this might be fun, <laughs> quote unquote, but. I think uh, I think what's I think 2019 is going to be a big year for late models and kind of you know how this all shapes out once racing season happens and the ability you know I like with the, with like the point change I think is mm-hmm. great because again your focus on local tracks is the biggest thing you know I think right I think local tracks are you know I've seen some things and I've you know something it was it was one something on TV and this guy there these these racers were talking about oh they got tired of look I mean basically they were saying how they were happy that now they were not racing local because they can make a bunch of money, but yada, yada, yada. And I was like, well, that's a great feature, but they just basically like pooped on local racing. And I'm like, I'm not a big fan of that because to me, you can't have these tracks to go to for big specials if there's no local racing, you know? I mean, they're, they might still be there, but they're not going to be maintained. It's a whole lot easier for, oh, hey, we raced last weekend, do the quick, you know, give the track the quick tune-up and go versus like, oh, we have to redo everything, you know? So, well, that's the whole thing. You talk to most guys; they want to run thirty to thirty-five times a year. That's mm-hmm. what they can do. They got they have families, they got ball games, mm-hmm. they got you know commitments and everything else. They can compete that many times. So you give them sixteen, eighteen Deer Brother shows. Mm-hmm. You give them twelve to fourteen weekly shows. There's your thirty right there. If you yeah. want to step out and step out on the ledge and try something else with one of these touring series that come around, that's your call. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know what it's going to take to get to that other that next level is well. It's like the guy told me the other day, and had a couple guys down in Florida that were about a they were about 125 horsepower off of what uh, what those big boys are traveling around with right down there right now at fifty some thousand dollars. That's just <laughs> ridiculous money, and yeah. you can only have so many. You know, I remember going to to, the, to Speed Weeks years ago with Al Friedman. There was 80 cars in the East Bay. There was 80 cars in Volusia. There was a, you know there's there's 40 or 39 to 40 of them right now, which is still a decent car count for 2019 but come on guys i mean mm-hmm. you know why is it it's because of the fact that it's it's to the point of between the tires the haulers mm-hmm. all the other stuff that takes to do it it's just not there's there's a limited amount that can do it but yet we all want that still to be out there mm-hmm. but if we don't build a solid base of good local competitors that one out of every what 60 like a Brian Burkoff or something, or Steve Boley's going to get that opportunity to go travel that world thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we had some of the best drivers around in the nineties and the early two thousands around here, you know, driver for driver, they were, they were it, but ultimately they didn't have the full funds to go out and, and hit 48 different States and mm-hmm. all over the place, that type of thing. So, yeah. you know, but we still need to have that. And then fans, I think as an entertainment value, they want to go out. They will still want to see Lane Miles compete. They want the local hero to jump out of it, be happier in hell, and win his trophy, and, mm-hmm. and you know, talk to the fans and do that kind of stuff. But yet, the same guy that you might see at the, at the, you know, at the at the Casey's at the end of the night because mm-hmm. he's in there buying a pizza and all that. Mm-hmm. He's a guy just like us. Take a snapshot, get him, put him on Facebook, and move down the road. You know, yep. That's what we need to have. So yep. that's what we should look for. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a very good point. Anyone knows me from talking, you know that me and Casey's after races was best friends. <laughs> Mostly right. because wherever I would tell you, I, I mean, I'm not sponsored by Casey's, but uh, pretty sure I should be because at the end of every race, it'd be like, oh, we're in a little town. Nope, there's a Casey's. I got to stop there. <laughs> but it's that same right. thing. You know, like when you get done with the race, it's always cool, like in that little town because it's always like. You know, usually late, 
Most little towns are basically dead at that point, and you have like 30 haulers hauling out of this town, so they're stopping everywhere, and you get you know get a chance to talk to them, and it's it's just yep. a cool connection to make. And I think uh, I'm excited to see late model racing this year. Um, there's a bunch of shows. If you want, I'll put a link in the description to. Um, I think IMC has a Facebook page. I'll put it. I'll put a link to there yep. and any other things like I said, Deering series, all that stuff. If you were out anywhere near, if you're within Iowa, listening or Illinois or Nebraska or Wisconsin, you're pretty. You're not that far from a from a race where there's gonna or from a track where there's gonna be one of these. So uh, make right. sure to hit one of those right. up because if you've never been to a dirt track race, I'm actually kind of sad that you've listened over a year to the podcast and haven't gone to one. Um, but you need to because it is it's insane and still it's like pretty cheap entertainment. You know, like most. You're never going to spend more than like, I mean, most tracks it's like 15, maybe 20 bucks on a dairy night, but it's like, it's never really that much to go versus what you're getting entertainment wise. So right. spend your entertainment dollars wisely, as you guys know, I said that, but, um, Joe, I know you got a bunch of stuff I do today. Um, thanks for coming on. We'll probably, hey, if you want you. to, we'll, uh, let's like, let's try and check in during the summer, see how it's going. Maybe if I yeah. get to one of the tracks, I'm going to try and get to all the local deering races I'm going to try and get to. So maybe we'll try and do a quick, you know, I got it. We can do some other stuff there update wise, but yeah, it's been really yep. great. I'm excited for late model racing this year. Like I said, check the links in the description so you guys can follow all along. Joe, thanks for coming on again for Bips hey, in the gym. Sure. Bye.